problem is uh, it's not just one mechanism that controls fat. It's not just kind of like fat storage is turned on or off. There's actually two mechanisms. Really, if, if you look at what mechanism has been tested over the, you know, the millennia, are you more likely to die of, of starvation, i.e. You know, not having enough food, or are you more likely to have eaten yourself to death because you've had so much food for that? You know, for a normal weight person, this is quite a foreign concept because they, they will struggle to understand why it's so difficult to lose weight. And I promise it's important. What you build your self-esteem around matters. You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on how to build optimal mental and physical performance into your life, keep it right here, listening to the OPP or visit naturalstacks.com. Brian Muncy is probably the smartest guy I know. Trust me, Muncy is the nutrition guy. Ryan Muncy's out there trying to make the world better for all of us. The Optimal Performance Podcast is bold, edgy, creative, entertaining, and epic. Ryan Muncy is my go-to guy. Ryan Muncy is he's the first guy I call. He's making people's lives better. Ryan Muncy's an innovator. Welcome back to the OPP. Really fun episode for you today. Uh, it was my honor to get to interview Tom Bilyeu and Dr. Jason McEwen. Tom, as you may recognize, is a previous guest, Tom Bilyeu, uh, previously on episode OPP number 108. Uh, that one was all about igniting your potential. If you didn't hear that one, definitely go back and listen to it. Uh, just a phenomenal episode. Tom is uh, a really great guy co-founder of Quest Nutrition, now the host of Impact Theory. His mission is to help end the poverty of poor mindset. Um, that led him to some conversations with some neuroscientists, and that led him to Jason McEwen and Jason's company, Neurovalens, and the device that we're going to talk about today, Modius. So Jason is CEO and co-founder of Neurovalens, the company behind Modius. He's a neuroscientist. Uh, Jason is the youngest visiting scholar to be invited by world-renowned professor V.S. Ramachandran to study neurostimulation at the University of California, San Diego. Uh, he's got a Bachelor's of Medicine, Bachelor of Surgery, and Bachelor of Obstetrics. Uh, from Queen's University in Belfast, uh, Northern Ireland. So if you haven't heard of Modius yet, um, they've had an incredibly viral week uh, or two weeks now um, by the time this episode goes live. Um, it was launched on Indiegogo and their initial goal was 50K. And within, I think, 24 hours, they were at 800K. Within 48 hours, they crossed the million dollar threshold. Uh, as we'll talk about on the show, their goal with Indiegogo was not to raise money. They had already done that through funding, so they had the money to do what they wanted to do. Um, what they did through Indiegogo was to build a community where they can crowdsource experimentation and get more data faster uh, through people like us who are experimenters, biohackers, self-optimizers, whatever. Um, Modius is groundbreaking technology that has the potential to help us reduce body fat through vestibular stimulation. 
uh, as you'll hear on the show, we'll talk about how the vestibular um, stimulation can impact the hypothalamus and what that means for our set point for body fat. They've already completed a 16-week trial. This early trial uh, showed anywhere from 0 to 16% body fat reduction, increases in fat-burning metabolism, suppression of appetite, uh, and that is all without any changes in diet or exercise. So, yeah, it, it sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? And uh, that's exactly what Tom says. And, and honestly, that's exactly what Jason and, and everyone at Modius is saying. They actually want this thing to be proven wrong. And I think that's the most attractive quality about these guys is that, you know, they're not out there saying that this thing is going to change the world. And as you'll hear Jason say on the on this show, you know, his end game, his, his ultimate vision is a world where people don't have to use this technology. Uh, but as he says, if this is what it takes to get there, then this is the bridge. This is the step. So, you know, sit back, uh, put on your neuroscientist hat for today and, um, you know, enjoy some, some cool conversation about how we can use technology to, uh, not only short-term elicit results in potentially short-term results in body fat reduction, but also help move society towards, uh, a healthier set point. A couple of housekeeping notes for you guys. Make sure you go to naturalstacks.com. You'll be able to see the blog post for this with links, links to the studies, links to Indiegogo. If you want to get a Modius unit, uh, we mentioned this on the show, but you can get $100 off if you share your data with these guys. They're really trying to gather as much information and data as possible. And if for any reason you don't like the unit, you can just send it back. Uh, even if you don't like the color, send it back and you get your money back. Share the OPP, guys. This is how we get this information out there to more people. This is how we help people. So when you hear this episode, if there's somebody in your life um, that you want to to know this information, somebody that you're, you wish would be more active, you've already told them, but for whatever reason they're not, this could be the bridge that helps them you know, generate that momentum. You'll hear, um, you know, as, as I question these guys, you know, if, if the whole benefit of this is that it replicates motion, why do we not just say, hey, go move more? Um, most people know that, yet it doesn't happen. So you know, the thought is that maybe this could be technology or a device that helps people bridge that gap. So if there's somebody in your life who you know, meets that criteria, share this episode with them. This may be the thing that helps jumpstart their journey uh, and changes their life. And of course, go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. Let us know how much you like the show. When we read your review on the air, we will hook you up with a care package as a thank you. Uh, today's review comes from Wade Schlichenmeyer. Uh, Wade, I hope I didn't butcher your last name. Uh, solid, five stars, awesome podcast. So Wade, thank you. Email me, ryan at naturalstacks.com. I will make sure we hook you up with a care package. That's it, guys. I'm going to stop talking. Uh, enjoy the show with Tom and Jason. Well, gentlemen, Tom, Jason, welcome to the OPP. Dude, thanks for having thanks. us on, man. Thank you. Um, all well, right. Just introduced you guys and, and the show, um, but for our listeners, you know, we've got a lot to unpack, a lot to discuss. Modius, uh, this groundbreaking fat reduction technology, a lot of what I want to discuss and unpack with you guys lies beyond what it is. So for, I guess for the sake of brevity, let's try to cover that portion as briefly as possible. Um, without skipping anything, of course. Tell us in your words what this technology is and why you're so excited about it. Uh, yeah, well, I'll field this one. So uh, 
you know, as I say, as you've, you've heard probably from the intro there, you know, my background's obviously in medicine. And you know, the, the big drive for me is helping people. And I'm also just really passionate about neuroscience, neurology, just everything related to the brain. Uh, so there's a natural fit there for us to look into ways in which we can improve the function of the brain or improve brain performance to actually actively help people lose weight. And you know, a big thing for us was you know, what this this question that everyone asked: like, why is it so difficult to lose weight? You know, so difficult. In fact, that two billion people struggle with this. So, um, you know, to keep it really brief, what we have done over the last five years is really look at the neuroscience of weight gain and weight loss and why it's difficult. And we've boiled it down to there's an area in your brain called your hypothalamus. It controls absolutely everything to do with body fat, your appetite, metabolism, even the where you store the fat to some degree. Uh, and we actively stimulate that with a little electronic pulse. And the, we, the stimulation we apply is actually behind the ear. So the big thing that we do compared to, say, other devices is that it's totally non-invasive. So it's not like a deep brain implant or anything like that. It totally non-invasively stimulates that part of your brain. And the idea behind it is that that stimulation can then make it much easier for people to actually lose some weight. All right, very cool. So before we talk about Modius itself, can you take us one level deeper? How does the hypothalamus uh, control body fat? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, in, in the scientific world, this has been known for a long, long time. Um, but, you know, the, the public perception is that it's just this idea of, you know, um, you know diet diet a little better and you know increase your activity levels and there you go that's the solution that's the solution to the global weight loss problem or the global obesity problem uh, but actually we know it is it is much much deeper than that and the hypothalamus the very central control center is what we would call it so it controls lots of things um, but it it's it, it's almost a bit like I'm sure you've heard of these, you know, negative feedback and positive feedback, and you know what we would call seesaws. So there's this natural sort of balance system within the body, and your your weight is no different. And it's actually your hypothalamus that controls that that seesaw, if you will. So you know, body weight tends to fluctuate a little, but it's usually set around a certain point. So let's say it's you know 150 pounds. Your hypothalamus likes it at 150 pounds. If it's 145, it'll increase body fat a little. If it's 155, it'll decrease body fat a little. But it's that, it's that sort of continuous balance that the hypothalamus likes. And the problem is uh, it's not just one mechanism that controls fat. It's not just kind of like fat storage is turned on or off. There's actually two mechanisms. There's one to increase fat and there's one to decrease fat. And the problem that a lot of people, or almost everyone has, is the, the mechanism to stop you increasing fat is actually much weaker than the one to stop you losing fat, and you can desensitize it. So everyone can gain weight really easily, but actually losing weight, the hypothalamus stops you doing that, and it does it by, by increasing appetite, you know, slowing down metabolism, and actually actively making you store more fat. You know, I, I'm very familiar, and I think a lot of our audience may be very familiar with the term set point, but in some of your um, other interviews that you've been a part of a, as part of this Modius launch, I've heard you talk a little bit about why set point can go up much easier than it can go down. Can you talk a little bit about the, the evolutionary component to that? Yeah, no, absolutely. So again, it's very important to understand this idea of, of weight loss and weight gain are two separate mechanisms. So that they're either side of the seesaw, if you will, that's controlled by the hypothalamus. 
Uh, no, one side, the, the side to, uh, to stop you gaining fat is primarily driven by, I'm sure you've heard of the hormones, insulin and leptin. Um, and actually, although, although today's perception of insulin is that it's a really bad hormone, makes you gain weight, and it's associated with type 2 diabetes and everything. Um, insulin in a normal weight person actually stops you gaining weight because it sends a signal to your brain saying you have enough food or you know, you're not hungry and actually you don't need to store fat. Similar to leptin. Uh, but the, the, the problem is that actually if you increase those, so say you know, your sort of high calorie, you know, high sugar diets, insulin's always increased, leptin's always increased, and eventually you just break down the sensitivity. So what happens is your brain never gets the signal that it that it's storing enough fat. So even though your leptin levels are really high and your insulin levels are really high, your brain is desensitized so much that it it doesn't realize that you 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 know far too much fat. So that side of, of the seesaw is, is broken. And then the other side actually still remains intact. Uh, the one that drives hunger and drives appetite. So it goes up and up and up. While this this signal to decrease fat never actually happens. So you've got this one-sided kind of mechanism, which is just it always, always, always pushing up fat. And as you, you've mentioned there, you know, the, the evolutionary mechanisms for that, uh, really, if, if you look at what mechanism has been tested over the, you know, the millennia, are you more likely to die of, of starvation, i.e. You know, not having enough food, or are you more likely to have eaten yourself to death because you've had so much food? You know, so if, if you look back over, over history, it's always been that mechanism to stop you starving which has been tested and tested and tested, and it is almost a perfect mechanism. So the mechanism for you to stop losing fat is amazingly good at doing that, but the mechanism to stop you gaining too much fat is actually really, really poor. So as I say, you have this one-sided one side effect where all of a sudden, if, if you actually go beyond the set point, then you have no protection to stop you getting overweight, and anytime you try to lose weight, the other side of that equation kicks in and stops you. Uh, this really beautifully explained. Uh, you, you mentioned that there's a lot more going on than just eat less food and move more, like we commonly hear in health and fitness recommendations. Why is this not talked about more? Uh, yes, that's, that's a good question. I, I suppose, ultimately, if you could do that, so if you could maintain you know, a, a low or a, say even just a healthy diet, reasonable calories, and you know a fair amount or a healthy amount of activity or exercise. Actually, eventually you will lose weight. The problem is that actually most people plateau. So you get an initial bit of weight loss and you plateau, and then all of a sudden, yeah, you know, you give up or you have like one bad weekend and the weight just bounces right back on. Uh, and that is actually that, that mechanism cutting in because the plateau is whenever your body is adapting and it's trying to stop you losing more weight. And at that stage, it makes it more and more difficult. So, so in theory, we, we could, you know, you could actually persist. Uh, and it's strange, and I've said this before, that for a normal weight person, this is quite a foreign concept because they, they will struggle to understand why it's so difficult to lose weight, but that's because their, their hypothalamus is working normally and it protects against, uh, against excess weight gain. So the, the people who, 
who are normal weight, as I say, they don't really understand it. So, so I think that's why maybe it's a little harder to accept. Whereas if you explain this concept to someone who has really struggled with weight for a long time, they instantly relate to it. And I'll give you another reason as to why people aren't talking about this. And hopefully any of your listeners that are paying attention are thinking exactly the same thing, that this is too good to be true. <laughs> and every part of their brain is screaming bullshit. There's no way that a little electrical impulse behind your ear is going to make any difference. And, you know, we've all been promised like all these miracle weight loss cures that I... I cannot tell you how skeptical I was and quite frankly will continue to be. And I'm on the board, like full disclosure, I want everybody to understand I am on the board of Modius Health. So I have every incentive for this to be true, but I'm maintaining my role as a skeptic because I think that it is so important for everyone to look at the data. And that's the way that they finally got me involved, so they had been courting me for about six months and I just kept saying, you know, you got to make this change to the contract. You got to make that change. Because for me, there were a few things that just had to be true in order for me to even consider being involved because I'm so reputation protective. And that's they had to be offering a money back guarantee for any reason whatsoever. So if somebody doesn't like the color of the device, whatever, it literally can't matter. So they agreed to that. They had to leave me in a position where I can talk like I'm talking now, which is to remain like skeptical, looking at the data, give counterpoints. Because like anybody, I want this to be true. There's so many people in my life that have struggled so profoundly with weight um, that if, it, if it's real, it can withstand criticism. And if it crumbles to criticism, then it wasn't real. And so I wanted to... to really make sure that I could talk openly like that. And third, I wanted to know, like, are these business guys that happen to have a science background, are these guys that are sincere about helping people, that their priority is the science, and that they're willing to take a hard look at the data and say, this isn't working. And so when over time, they were able to convince me that A, they believe that the device works. So okay, that's something, right? Like if they're not just, um, hucksters, and then B, that they're willing to accept that while they may believe it, that it could end up just not holding up outside the lab, right? So there's, like he was saying, this has been well studied, the hypothalamus, at least its role in fat loss, has been well studied, well documented, certainly in animal models, and there's even a fair amount of human clinical data. But there's just something, like anybody involved in science long enough knows, there's just a gap between what happens in the lab and what happens in reality. So when I realized that they weren't trying to do, because they just did an Indiegogo campaign, you and I were talking about that before we started recording, and they just, they've smashed like numbers. It's ridiculous. So um, Jason, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was like, you guys started with, we wanted 50K and I had asked why so low? And you said, because we don't, we're not trying to raise money with the campaign. We've already raised yeah. money. What we're trying to do is get a lot of people into the trial. So I was like, okay, that's intriguing. And the reason they want to get a lot of people into the trial is to get the data, right? To get a lot of people using it to see if yeah, it's in the real world. So in the first, like, I don't know, two hours or something, they hit the 50K. In four hours, they doubled it. And then in 24 hours, they'd done $800,000. And then I think in less than 48 hours, they crossed a million. So I mean, it's just like, obviously, there's a market. There's enough people out there that really want this to be true. Now we just need to see, like, is it actually? 
So I've been using it now for about six weeks, three weeks with, and then a break and then three weeks again. And I can explain later as to why I took the break, but, um, it's, I think the, the jury is out on whether it transcends the trial data. The trial data is fascinating. Like if you read the, the abstracts, it's incredibly enticing data. And Jason, make sure you ask Jason about the mice. Cause I think that's where it really gets fascinating, but we're now the waiting process. Yeah. And that's what I really love about everything you guys are doing with Modius. You're, you're being completely upfront and transparent about where it could potentially fall short of, you know, meeting the expectations from the trials, but you're also, you're actively seeking experimentation and collaboration with basically crowdsourcing, you know, more people to get into this uh, through the Indiegogo. And uh, you guys are, you're creating a a sort of a a lab or a support system for those people as well, right? Yeah, no, very much so. So, um, I mean, just to maybe elaborate a little further on what Tom was saying. So, you know, this idea that the hypothalamus controls body fat, that is absolute, you know, scientific fact. Okay. Uh, I think there is a a really skeptical and it's healthy skepticism that that we can say, well, hold on a minute. If we're stimulating behind your ear, you know, how is that even connecting to your hypothalamus? And secondly, why would that even influence metabolism? Uh, and you know that that's where we've really looked into the research and looked at, as Tom says, looked at the data and we've we've done our own provisional experiments in the lab. And there is absolutely no doubt that the vestibular system, the vestibular stimulation, can influence not only the hypothalamus, but also metabolism in a, in, a, in a positive way. But what what we, I suppose the, what I'm really saying is what we don't know is when you actually put that into, you know, people with busy lives and with other comorbidities and medications and you know, stressful things and dietary problems and, you know, everything that can cause weight loss. You know, whenever you actually put that out in real life, the question of how much weight will I lose, it's almost impossible to answer. And we know that's going to be a range. And so, some people find, will find that it helps a lot. And some people will find it helps you know, maybe a little, or some, I'm sure some people will say it doesn't help. And that's why we're offering that, you know, the money back guarantee. So if you feel that, that it's not part of your weight loss journey, we are more than happy to take it back. But we'd also love to know why you feel that it hasn't worked so we can then eventually make it better. And as you say, we've, we've built like what we call Mordius Life. And it's, it's a community, like a, I think it's, we're hosting it on Facebook, a kind of private community where everyone who has a, uh, has a headset can log in, they can share the data, they can send us what they like about it, what they don't like about it. You know, is it better in the morning? Is it better at night? Is it affecting their diet? Is it affecting other things? So yeah, we want to know just absolutely everything that is going on with these devices. I've got a couple of questions for you guys. Um, Maybe you have the answers to this based on the trial data, but maybe the jury's still out. I don't know. Um, how does it affect sympathetic, parasympathetic balance, uh, especially like as measured by HRV? Because I know you know there's a vagus nerve component to this, but if we're constantly stimulating the vestibular nerve, is there potential for long-term uh, negative impact on HRV due to you know, overstimulation of sympathetic nervous system? Um, I, I think whenever you look at the, 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 this, this idea of sympathetic versus 
parasympathetic. You know, everyone sort of thinks it's a bit like a seesaw and there's a balancing point. Um, interestingly, the, the stimulation of the vestibular system can actually change both the vagus or both uh, sympathetic and parasympathetic. So in a sense, it's not sort of putting one up and putting the other down. It's actually changing that kind of balance point. And uh, we get this question quite a bit, you know, is there going to be any long-term term effects? And the answer that I would have is what we are doing is actually putting it, we're putting in a stimulation that is in a sense inside the realms of what your vestibular system would do normally. You know, so we're just replicating constant movement. So an, a, another way of asking that question is, you know, would long-term exercise cause changes? Um, now, specifically to, to HRV, I, I mean, the answer is I actually am not sure. You know, we, we would have to look into something like that. But yes, there's definitely that sympathetic parasympathetic effect. So yeah, I'm sure you would see some change in, in HRV. I think it would depend on the type of exercise or activity that you're doing. I mean, walking has a different impact on HRV than CrossFit. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And, and, and when I say you know, we're sort of replicating physical activity, I mean, in just a very general sense, we're just activating that sense that uh, nuclei in your brain that picks up movement. You know, so we're just repeatedly sending in the signals to your brain that actually this is a physically active body. Uh, but it's not outside the realms of what your body could do normally. Uh, that is the point that I try to make whenever someone asks about the long-term effect. And now, and I know this isn't at all where you're going, but if you want to just get into things that I find utterly fascinating and I think is part of why it's so intriguing to get more people using the device and get feedback, <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised if ultimately, and Jason, this is where you're going to have to come in as a non-lay person because I am speculating as a lay person right now who's excited about the technology, period. Um, I think it'll be almost certainly as we go deeper into this, that sending an electrical impulse that varies. that Because right now, when you put the device on, you can increase the um, intensity of the, um, the pulse, but you can't have it do like the equivalent because the, the hypothalamus or sorry, the um, vestibular nerve is tracking motion. So you're getting this like nice steady pulse that in my layman's understanding would be the equivalent of a steady um, workout. Like whatever you're doing it, it has the same interval between um, track motion, if you will. So now what would happen if you did the equivalent of sprinting? Like what does sprinting look like versus walking? What is um, like a playing you know, football look like versus basketball? Like what would those pulse patterns be? And can you create different responses to the set point based on the pulse patterns? Like this is all where you need the amount of data you would need to figure that out is next to inhuman, which is why this is one of the areas that studies fall down. They become so expensive to get mm -hmm. anything beyond um, uh, anecdotal data. But as anybody who's ever worked out and lost weight for themselves knows, like, I don't care if this works for anybody else. I just care if it works for me. Like, you can give me all the science in the world that it's helping a billion other people. But if I don't notice anything, I don't give a shit. So right. likewise, like, I don't care if the, the change in pattern works for anybody else. As long as it works for me, I'm a happy camper. So, you know, we're, we're caught in like the, the quagmire now also, of what can you say? Like, you can only say certain things according to the FDA. So like, I can't come on and make claims that, hey, I changed this pattern and I statistically get this result unless I've actually done the study and it qualifies. 
but getting people to use it who then can say, look, full anecdote here, but this is like what I've noticed. And because like as a, just somebody interested in experimenting with himself, like a deep self-experimenter, what the device I want is one that lets me control that, where I can change at my will. And Jason, I'm, I'm, I'm campaigning now where I want to take the device. Like that would be amazing, right? So they've already got an app. I can go into the app and I can change like the, the intensity and all that. But like getting to a point now where I can experiment and have other people upload like their pulse patterns and things where they're like, hey, this is my sort of best attempt at this kind of exercise. And then people begin to report what their results are based on different pulse patterns. Now you can start to categorize those people and say, okay, this is my lifestyle and pulse pattern. This is my genetic makeup and pulse pattern, right? Like as we get more and more data points, this could get really interesting if mm -hmm. we're able to, from an FDA perspective, give people that kind of control. Yeah, that would be really fascinating. Uh, so you mentioned that, that you are actually administering a pulse right to the head. It's controlled by uh, an app on your phone. So is it, is it Bluetooth and are you worried about EMF exposure or you know, anything like that where you're, you know, you're basically in direct contact with the skull? Uh, yeah, well, to answer the first uh, question, it is a little Bluetooth, um, basically chip in the device. And you know, whenever it hooks up to your phone, all, all you're doing is really, actually, as, as Tom sort of mentioned there, you're, you're increasing the stimulation level. So it'll, it'll start uh, at a level of, you know, well, standby, basically, and then you can increase up to, you know, a certain current. There's basically 10 settings, but the, the, the point that Tom's sort of making, every person, due to the anatomy or even the micro-anatomy, how thick the skin is or how thick the bone is behind your ear, will actually get activation of the vestibular sense at a slightly different level. So, uh, you know, for some people, level two is enough. For some people, they go right up to 10. But basically, once you feel, because the, your vestibular sense is your sense of motion. So once you feel this kind of sense that actually you're getting kind of a floaty feeling, some people describe it like a glass of wine or, or like they're on a cruise ship. But it's a very obvious activation. And once you keep it, or once you, you feel that, you just keep it at that level for the 45 minutes or an hour. And then that's it. Uh, and then really, I suppose to answer the other question is, you know, obviously we, we, have, we put the device through tests, uh, you know, safety tests. So we do meet all the regulations for any sort of electronic device in, in that sense. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're very, very confident that devices is safe even for long-term use. And um, just to, to continue to, to be true to my role here, I will say anytime you're putting something to your head, whether they're Bluetooth headphones or whatever, like, the chances are that, yes, that is not optimal for longevity. So it just comes down to, you know, where is your comfort zone with that? If you're holding a cell phone up to your head, um, you sort of already answered that question. But I don't think any of this stuff is without um, potential consequences. So, you know, go into all this stuff with your eyes open. Gotcha. Well, what are some of the other uh, concerns or, or questions that you guys have well, the, the biggest side effect, if you will, in inverted commas, is, is that activation of the actual vestibular system. So, I mean, you, you need that. So, um, actually, you want to feel that sort of rocking sensation because then you know that actually the vestibular nuclei and your brain stem are being activated. 
but because of that, we always recommend you know, people sit down or, or, you know, you're watching TV or, or lying maybe before you go to sleep. But, you know, certainly you can't be walking around or driving or anything like that because uh, you actually do sort of feel it affecting your balance. So that is the biggest side effect. And then there are other, in theory, you would have sort of localized side effects. So some of these other devices that you have uh, that have unlimited use, you know, sometimes you get skin irritation. Uh, but that was actually a big um, sort of factor in our development. And we actually have a limit on the devices. You can't use it any more than 60 minutes each day. And also we ensure that the pad, the contact it makes with the skin is actually, it's, it's quite a large kind of diameter. So there's no real localized irritation. And, and as I say, those are really the main side effects, if you will. Okay. And then, I mean, I mentioned the results in the intro, but the, uh, the trial data is, I mean, it's amazing. The average body fat reduction was 8% in 16 weeks, and that's with three sessions per week. And that was no change in diet or exercise. Um, I mean, that's just, that's insane. But one of the questions that I have is, you know, do you see benefit other than the superficial body fat reduction? I mean, when, when we look at the American population or, or the global population, as it increases in, you know, uh, as the obesity epidemic and all this stuff that comes from sort of being more sedentary, do these changes also address some of the underlying comorbidities that we see with metabolic disease? Yeah, I, I suppose we would be probably verging on, you know, what we're allowed to say and, and not allowed to say about the device. So, I mean, just for clarity, this is a weight loss and, and weight management device. If you look at other scientific work done in this area by you know, other scientists and universities, there are some really positive parallels uh certainly there's you know even for say something like type 2 diabetes obviously weight loss alone is going to help with that uh, but there are actually studies ongoing at the minute that we're looking at just the direct effect on type 2 diabetes and then into other endocrine sort of issues like you know say cor decreasing cortisol when stress is high improving thyroid and hypothyroidism so i mean there are all these associations which seem positive uh, but I would stress we are weight loss only, uh, and that is all pretty you know, early work that still needs ongoing research. Tom, do you have anything to add? I know metabolic disease is near and dear to your heart. Yeah, I mean, the where this all goes in the end is going to be a fascinating thing to see play out. I think that it's it's a little pipe dreamy to think that zapping your vestibular nerve is going to solve all your woes. But I will say one of the first things that I talked about with Jason when he pitched this idea or the device to me was, well, what's interesting is if you're trying to replicate motion and saying that that has a positive impact on where your set point is, the only other things that I know of that any doctor worth their salt is going to recommend as um, exercise as treatment for something is going to be depression and anxiety, right? So if you come to me as a lay person and just say, hey, Tom, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, what should I do? Um, well, if my honest answer is I'm going to tell you, make sure you understand the microbiome is that plays almost certainly plays a major role. Um, and then also you should be exercising. And I won't say that anybody really even understands clearly why it works, but if you read John Rady's book, Spark, he talks a lot about the cognitive impact of exercise, 
talks about anxiety, depression reduction. So if somehow that it's the same mechanism that it's what's really going on in exercise is the motion and the body is, is tracking that motion through the vestibular nerve, could it possibly have implications in depression and anxiety? And Jason was like, that literally anybody studying the vestibular nerves asking that exact same question. And so those studies are being done now. And I would love to see a future where um, Jason and team do those studies and are able to say, look, we, have the, we now have the same kind of compelling evidence for depression and anxiety that we have for weight loss. And that's when I literally, I was like, there's no way. Like this would be the holy grail device if truly it's able to impact that depression and anxiety, like, come on. But here's, so, and I think that maybe, like, looking at sort of the hints and where things are going, it may actually play out that there's a role. I don't think there's any, any one thing for any of this stuff. Like, if you're depressed, if you're anxious, if you're overweight, and you don't understand the microbiome, like, I promise you're leaving money on the table, right? So, I think, and one thing I've, I've always respected about Modius is they're very honest. Like the, the amount that you can expect to lose falls somewhere between zero and 16% with the average being about eight. So this isn't like, hey, you're 200 pounds overweight and you wake up in six weeks and you're at 4% body fat. That's not the game we're playing, right? So if it works the way that they say that it does, it's going to bring your set point down. I'm going to guess, and again, layperson, I'm going to guess it just doesn't go on forever, right? It's not like wear the device forever and you just keep going until you're competing at the Olympia. It's not going to work like that, right? I think everybody's gut instinct is that, okay, like it's a brick in the wall, right? Like this is another thing that's going to help. But when you're looking at for somebody to lose 8% for doing something as simple as wearing the device, like that's a real game changer and it gets some momentum and it gets you going in the right direction. And whenever you're talking about fat loss or anxiety or depression, and again, like I need to make sure everybody heard Jason, the, this is recognized as a weight loss device, period. And to make any claims beyond that is to just invite death and dismemberment from the FDA. So I want to make sure people understand we recognize that this is like early days of the science and anything beyond weight loss. So, but like if they all play into that and you can get yourself going in a positive direction, which is the fundamental question anybody has to ask, like if you have anxiety or if you're gaining weight, I'm in a, I'm in a negative spiral. So how do I get in a virtuous spiral? And this could be one of the things that you do to really get yourself going in a positive direction. Let me play ultimate skeptic and just, you know, if this device replicates motion, why not walk three hour long sessions a week or play flag football or something else that is actually the motion instead of replicating it? So I'll take that one and Jason, you can follow up. So this is exactly the question that we asked at Quest, right? So um, if you called up Quest and said, hey, I really want to lose weight what should I do? Our answer was going to be eat chicken breast and broccoli. It wasn't going to be go eat a Quest bar. Now, we know that that's just not realistic, that everybody's not going to do that. There's times where you needed something that tasted like a cookie. And so that's where we came in. So the same is true for Modius, right? Like if you're go do the exercise, like go do something active, that nothing is going to be better than that. Just like nothing is going to be better than whole food. So understanding that that 
we've been telling people that like the world knows that there's very few people who are like, Oh, exercise is bad for me. I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm just saying eh, it's not a lot of people that are like actively saying exercise is bad, but they're still not doing it. So even though they know they should be, and I highly encourage everyone to do it. It's a lot of fun. If you do it right and you're, you know, like go play a sport, go kick the ball with your kid, like, you know, whatever, like there, there are ways to make getting moving enjoyable. Um, but still we know that the vast majority of people are not going to do that. So how do you help those people? How do you do something that maybe is the precursor to that? Somebody who wouldn't go work out because they're just in a negative space about their body image. And so how do you get them to take that first step? And this could be that. It's a good answer. I like that. Jason, what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, the, a lot of people find it strange that I, they often say to me, you know, what's the bigger vision here? Um, and I, my, my initial response is always to say the bigger, the big vision is not to have people wear a headset where they think it can just make them lose weight. You know, so as part of what we are doing already, this is to be seen as a transition into what we would call a healthy lifestyle. So, you know, the right healthy diet choices and increasing levels of activity. So the, as, as Thomas rightly said, what could start all that and we, what we really hope just inspires people to get into that lifestyle is the Modius headset. And, uh, you know, the, the goal, as I say, is this transition. So actually, <laughs> what, what I'm also saying, or, or what I'm, I'm almost saying in effect is that in, in the ideal world, people wouldn't use the headset. But if it takes that to get them there, well, then that's what we consider a big win. Hmm. Okay. I like it. Um, one of the questions I have, Jason, is about some of the studies. Um, I'll let you sort of walk our listeners through, uh, I believe it was the, the NASA study in the 60s, and then there was a follow-up in the early 2000s. Yep. Can, can you walk us through those studies? And then I've got a, a follow-up or, or, or a question on that follow-up study. Yeah, so... There was this kind of curious thing that was happening with mice um, in the sort of late sixties, early seventies, and and it was it was actually started by NASA, and I never they were going to put guys up in space. You know, gra- gravity changes, and you know, so that that constant sort of well, you, it's your vestibular system that actually picks up this sense of gravity. So the question was, what happens when you put guys in space, and all of a sudden, you know, they're they're maybe like forty or fifty years old and or, or whatever and they they go from having that every single day to then all of a sudden this big change so the easiest way to do it to, to see what the effects are is i say to put mice in altered gravity environments and they do that by spinning them around in really large kind of fairly slow moving centrifuges so so their entire cages their entire world is constantly spinning around at a higher level of gravity, although they don't really realize it. So they're running around in their little wheel and they're eating and they're drinking and you know, oblivious to this the fact that their entire world is spinning around. Um, and you know, you see, you see sort of changes, but what they were interested in were things like sleeping patterns and, and, and just like, well, I mean, almost everything. But one thing that they noticed that they didn't really explain very well was that these mice get really lean. You know, they get down to like 5% body fat, even when their appetite goes back to normal. So initially, appetite goes down. It's down quite significantly. And then over the period of weeks, it tends to come back up to normal. So, so what's happening is you have really lean mice who are eating the same diet that they were before they were put into the centrifuges. And it was just really uh, put down to the fact that it was increased gravity, so they're working harder, you know, and you know, 
the gravity is twice, twice as much. So the muscles are pushing twice as hard to walk around. Uh, and for about 50 years, it was just assumed that it was the gravity. Uh, but then this study, I think it was 2002, they repeated this, effectively the same study, but they had two groups of mice. They had normal mice, and then they had mice with the inner ear knocked out. And it's a very specific part of the inner ear that detects this sense of gravity. So if the hypothesis that the lean sort of athletic mice was due to gravity, well, then the, the knocking out of the inner ear should have had no effect. But actually, it was completely the opposite. What they found was that it was entirely due to this sense of you know, vestibular stimulation due to the increased gravity. And, and the mice who had the vestibular sense turned off or who had no vestibular stimulation had no change at all. Their body fat was effectively the same. Their appetite was effectively the same. But the mice who were getting this 24 hours a day vestibular stimulation got very lean uh, in line with all the other studies. So that, that was really the first study that, that, sh that was able to show that it was, in fact, vestibular stimulation causing a change in fat storage. I may have confused myself the first time I heard you explain it, because I'm not sure my question is still a good question. But what I was going to ask you is, with, with knocking out the inner ear in that second study, you're removing the perception of gravity, but that's not the same thing as removing the actual force. Uh, yeah, the force was there. Yeah, so uh, it was just the stimulation that the yeah, inner just, ear received. Really fast, just to be clear, when you knock out the inner ear, what you're removing is the the sense of movement, not gravity. Right. And so that's yeah. why you you end up seeing that effect because if it if it were gravity, right, there's nothing you can do the to mitigate the force, but if their hypothesis is correct and by and what's really going on is that the vestibular nerve is tracking the motion and that that motion tracking is what makes them lean if you knock out the inner ear then there's no motion tracking which means that their body fat should stay the same and it did so that's why i was like holy hell this actually worked i think yeah, i just I, go I was going to say actually in that study was the first time that they they, made, they actually made up a word. It's called vestibulo hypothalamic pathway, you know, because it was so conclusive that the vestibular system actually influences these parts of the hypothalamus. No, that was it. That just okay. the first time I heard that, like, so freaked me out. Yeah, I, I literally couldn't believe that in knocking out the inner ear, then the weight loss stopped. Like, that's one of those things that, like, <laughs> as much as I, you know, keep my skeptical hat on, I'm like wow, that's, uh, that's compelling. Now, it's not humans, and so take that for what it's worth, but that's pretty interesting. Right, right. Now, you guys have been all over the place in the last week promoting Modius. The launch, as we mentioned, has been extremely successful. You've talked to a lot of people. What's been the biggest surprise for you guys about uh, you know, people's response to Modius? Well, that's, that's easy for me. Um, my pause there was to see if Jason was going to jump yeah. in. Um, my, my biggest, I was blown away by how fast the Indiegogo count went. I honestly thought people were going to be way more skeptical. And to see like getting, it, getting anything to a million dollars is like, is so rare. And to get something from you know, I mean, Jason, I love you to death, but like, he's unknown. Nobody knows who he is. Nobody knows Modius. Like, <laughs> it's so fucking obscure. You know, like, even the way that I found out about them was so obscure. So, uh, like, that to me just, 
it shows either, you know, to Jason's point, there's 2 billion people that are overweight and the, the maybe even more interesting insight that he has, which knocks out some of my um, criticism of the non-exercise path, which is for a normal weight person, it's hard to relate. To, you, you do the work, like you eat right, you do the exercise, you get the result. But for people for whom the set point is just, just so stubborn beyond measure, like that frustrating cycle, you lose some, you plateau, you start giving up and the weight just comes back, like immediately. It would put you in a hopeless place, right? So when I think about the level of discipline in my own life, so I used to be 60 pounds heavier and I lost that. Now it's been almost 10 years. When I think about the level of discipline that I have to have in my life to maintain that, like it really isn't realistic to ask most people to, to put it so central to their life that they're willing to do all that. So like I use the device, like forget being involved with the company. Like I would try the device out anyway because I, it annoys me to no end that I have to be as strict at all times as I have to be to stay lean. When I think about someone like my wife, who she works out like a demon, don't get me wrong, but like if we were to pound for pound eat the same things, she's just not going to put on weight like I do. So when you think about it from that perspective and think about how many, how, for how many people this is like a desperate thing in their life where they just cannot figure out how to get ahead of the curve, it, it shows how many people are really, really profoundly affected by it that they'll try anything so you know if this ends up working it it's it'll be amazing because so many people have jumped on to give it a shot you know, jason maybe you can answer this question about set point but in my head you know tom you said it, it's been about 10 years since yeah. you originally lost that 60 pounds in my head i would think that you could maybe do 80 percent of your normal uh, routine. You know, you talk about how disciplined you have to be to keep that weight off. But in, in my head, your set point over 10 years would probably have changed. Maybe not to where you would maintain the weight that you are today, but you wouldn't bounce all the way back. I mean, am I wrong in that, Jason? How long do we have to be where we are now to reset our set point? Yeah. If you look at, you know, the, the story of some, you know, some people have been obese for maybe 30, 40 years. Uh, so, you know, you have to remember that to, to undo that is also a chronic process in a way. And it's really based around a few things, but it's like the sensitivity to you know, your, all your hormones and all again, of your hypothalamus, it's even decreasing inflammation in your hypothalamus. It's also gone into the realms of say neuroplasticity, you know, where you're actually rewriting pathways in the hypothalamus. Uh, and then on top of that, it's also gone into this area of, you know, like, desire and even the, uh, I don't want to say addiction in a sense, but it is a bit like that, mm -hmm. you know, so, so you actually have to turn all of that around. It's not just this idea, you know, I'm going to lose weight really quickly and then I'm sorted. Okay. So, um, I mean, looking at some, I think the longest studies I've seen were around five years or so where they, they brought in, um, it was guys from you know, the show, the biggest loser. Right. So they had, you know, exceptionally impressive weight loss. You know, there's no doubt about it. But actually, after like five years, they tested the metabolic rate, and there were actually still changes where you, you, it would certainly suggest that their set point was still trying to get them back 
to gaining weight. Uh, so that in one way I'm saying I'm not sure how long it takes, but people should not expect it to be a quick fix. And this is really a transition into you know, a li- lifelong goals. Right. I, and I'm, I'm not arguing against that. I mean, if, if anything, I'm one of the biggest proponents of, you know, living that lifestyle. Um, I'm just curious. I mean, I would think that, you know, for somebody like Tom, 10 years down the road, that his body would have developed, uh, especially through all the repetitions with his new habits, that he would have rewired, you know, this new uh, sort of default. Yeah, well, I suppose the best person to ask that is Tom. Yeah, the funny thing is, I was like, I want to see, like, yeah, motherfucker, why do I have to work so hard? Uh, (laughs) And and honestly, I don't have a great answer for that. So because I don't let myself get back out of shape, um, how far would it go, right? Has my set point come down? And I would, let's say, rush back um, 15 pounds and stop. And that's where my set point is. So maybe it's come down, but not all the way. you know, what is the real answer? I don't know. And I'll be really honest. I'm never going to find out. <laughs> like I'm just never like going back there. Right. So yeah, I don't know, but I, I will say that I was eager to give this thing a shot because I'll put myself in the camp of, it'd be really nice if it wasn't this hard. Right. All right. Well, gentlemen, this has been an amazing show. appreciate your time. Tell our listeners where they can get more information on Modius or, or even pick up a device. Yeah, so um, ModiusHealth.com is the webpage, but we're also, you know, if you go to Modius Health on Facebook or Twitter, we'll definitely get in touch if you have any questions. And if you actually want to check out how to, how to get a device, we're on Indiegogo. So either go to Modius Health and follow through to Indiegogo or just search for Modius Indiegogo. All right, I'll put those links on the show notes for you guys listening so you can hop over there really easily from the Natural Stacks website and grab a awesome. device if you want one. Um, and, and you guys mentioned this earlier, but there's a uh, money-back guarantee if, if for any reason people aren't satisfied. Are you guys still doing the $100 off if they contribute data? Yeah, no, that, that all still applies. So, I mean, the... the- the devices, the initial devices are you know more discounted. So basically, the quicker you get in there, the more chance you are of getting a discounted device. But on top of that, let's be absolutely clear: if someone gets the device and they feel that, as Tom says, they don't like it for any reason, we will happily give them their money back. And then on top of that, if you know you do want to use the device and you think it's helping, and then you feed back to us, there's up to hundred dollars back for you know like supposed to completing like twelve weeks or whatever and giving us the the, the data. Okay. Uh, Jason, Tom has been on the show previously and answered this question. So we're going to throw this one to you. We want to know your top three tips to live optimal. <laughs> you certainly put, put me on the spot there. Right. I'll, I'll buy you some time. I'll buy you some time. Tom, while he thinks on that one, give us the, what's the best advice you've ever been given? Wowza. Um, I'll say that the most important thing, and this unfortunately was never given to me as like straight advice, but this is the advice that I will give. And I promise it's important. What you build your self-esteem around matters. Like that is, Mm -hmm. I think the most overlooked thing in the world of like self-optimization. People don't think about that most baseline thing that ends up driving their behavior. So if you pride yourself on being smart, on being strong, on being right, any of those things that are ultimately quite fragile, 
then you're really in trouble because you're, you're going to end up doing stupid things to continue to prove to yourself or to others that you're smart or good enough or whatever. But if you build your self-esteem instead around being the learner, always being willing to admit when you're wrong, identifying the right answer faster than other people, that is something that will serve you incredibly well. So that's something, and I mean, I, I didn't bring this up because it ties back to Jason, but quite frankly, it does. Like that was when I really got interested in teaming up with these guys when I realized they were actually open to being wrong. They were open to finding out, yep, it, it doesn't hold up. And once I was convinced that that was actually the case for them, that's when doing something with them got interesting. Yeah, that, that might be the best answer I've ever gotten to that question. Uh, Jason, did that buy you enough time? Yeah, no, that, that was actually a perfect fit because you've sort of went towards the war kind of, well, mental aspect of it, whereas I was thinking more of the physical. So if, you're, you know, if your body's a machine, you know, the best three things or the three things that you could optimize, in my opinion, would be um, your sleep, your diet, and your activity levels. And if, and if you're getting those three right as a machine, your body will be in a, a prime position to function. Awesome. Gentlemen, again, thank you for your time. Thanks for sharing uh, Modius, your, your, your knowledge, your expertise with us. If you guys are listening, go to naturalstacks.com. You'll be able to see the links and resources, the studies involved with the trial data. Uh, like I said, links to Indiegogo, Modius Health, and of course, go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. Let us know how much you like the show. If we read your review on the air, we will hook you up with a little care package to say thank you. And Please be sure to share the OPP, this episode, and the show in general with the people in your life who you know will benefit from and enjoy the things that we're doing here. That's how we reach and help more people and grow this thing. Uh, thank you guys for being here. Thanks for listening. Jason, Tom, thank you so much. Thanks for thank having you. us on, man. Thank you.